0: Firefox actually stores their usernames and passwords. Um, Well, they don't store them in plain text, but you can view them in plain text
1: with just like four or five clicks and without any credentials being inputted. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Security Tools podcast. Today I have my friend Nick, who is a computer science and mechanical engineering student at UCLA, who's going to talk to us a little bit about getting started in cybersecurity and his particular path to where he is now. Nick, thank you for joining us today.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is going to be fun.
1: Yeah, so first of all, we met in the middle of computer science class uh, during my, I think, my second class. But we worked together on a couple of projects and ended up being colleagues at Nullbyte and then eventually working together. Uh, You're one of the presenters on the Nullbyte channel, which has over 500,000 subscribers. So uh, how exactly was it that you got from being a computer science student to being a presenter on one of the largest cybersecurity YouTube channels uh, there is?
0: Well, yeah, um, I think it was a Python class we took together and we didn't have the best teacher, but we kind of made the most of it. We formed our own little like, (laughs) yeah, we formed our own little clique. Uh, He was a great guy, but like we, it was more, we taught our, each other Python and stuff. And we just ended up in the same group through a a mutual friend, um, Andronic, I'm sure you remember him. And like, first we were just friends, you know, like we would talk in class, like classmates do. And then... Uh, I went to your house a couple times just to hang out and then you started showing more of like what you did for like to actually make money, like working with no Bite, writing for um, Wonder How To and everything. And then um, first I started as just like like a side gig for me. Like I was still working like a minimum wage job at a gas station and everything. And you're like, hey, if you want to make some extra money, um, you can start working as a video producer. And I had some video experience growing up in Los Angeles, naturally. <laughs> and um, <More>. it evolved, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it evolved from um, really just like watching the, with the original video assistant, like watching how he did it. And then I was able to take over uh, behind the camera, but that's when like I started learning about cybersecurity because to be honest, I knew a little bit about programming, obviously if I'm taking programming classes, but didn't know anything about cybersecurity until I started like talking to you about the content we're going to make for those videos. And once I started learning basic stuff, like um, like the first very first thing you taught me was how a botnet works. You would have me like look over some of your articles and like fill in the gaps on some of the articles when you're really busy for a week. So I started doing that. And then, then I ended up writing my own articles and um, making videos
1: based on those articles. So to be clear, this path is you going from taking a couple initial computer science classes and working at a gas station, to eventually writing your own articles and even appearing on Null Byte and teaching people about these cybersecurity concepts.
0: Yeah, yeah, and like I have a lot to thank to you because um, there's not really any like direct cybersecurity classes at community college, and those were like that was like the only way I knew how to learn things. And to learn cybersecurity, or at least how I learned cybersecurity, was just like communicating
1: with you. And like I have a lot to thank to you for that as well. Yeah, well, right around the time I met you was also the time that I was getting involved in student organizations. Because, you know, if you want a little bit more out of the classes than you're able to get, for example, you and I had a a teacher who maybe wasn't always remembering the difference between Python and other languages. So as a beginner, that was very confusing. And to really get what we needed out of school, we had to, as you said, kind of teach ourselves and and gather our own resources. So really, uh, I found that we did a lot of really excellent work and we really learned a lot when we were Trying to teach other people around us how to get more out of school and and how to basically uh, be able to learn about subjects that might not be you know absolutely first and foremost when people think about just how to get an easy job. You know, I've always been really passionate about cybersecurity, and then just working with you on producing videos for NullByte. It became really clear to me that anybody who is, of course. You know curious uh but also not afraid to know absolutely nothing about a topic and work through all the way from the start to the finish until they understand how it works that's the path that any student can take to learn about cybersecurity or networking or computer science a lot of students kind of self self-select themselves out of that and say they're either not interested in it or it's outside their field but really what's cool about it is when you find something that applies to you or when you find something that does like make that connection there's really a lot out there and students can really help each other out in, in just finding things they're passionate about and then getting the right resources to be able to take it to the next level. Because we even did some things like hackathons and classes and over the next year we organized a student group called Leadership in Technology to do a bunch of different classes uh, that were both free for uh, student consumption where people could come and watch it, but also pre-recorded. So we actually taught the Computer Science Club a couple new tricks. Uh, and while, because we had the opportunity to do some video production work, uh, working on Nullbyte. We were also able to go and start helping other student organizations start, you know, recording the classes they were doing and recording our own cybersecurity classes for, uh, one terrible, terrible six week period. Yeah. Actually, I wasn't able to ever
0: make it to those because I was always busy working some minimum wage job or the other on Fridays, (laughs) Um, but I did watch the recordings. Yeah. And you would always tell me about, um, what would go wrong or, the
1: different personality that would step up and try to get in the way, but it, it ended up working out in the end, always. It did, and in the end, it wasn't just you and me that were interested in cybersecurity. It turns out there were a lot of other people like Brandon or Andronic or or some of the other people that stepped up to kind of fill the gap and teach other people about stuff they were passionate about. So I find that you know if people are aware that these careers are out there and they're aware that some of these things are actually within their reach, it's fun to work on them, and it's fun to get together and and present these kinds of challenges and learn how to use code in this sort of way because, you know, we're learning all the skills we need to be good cybersecurity professionals. There's networking classes, there's eh, decent uh, computer science classes, but you know it really was something we had to push for in order for us to be able to do more cybersecurity stuff on campus. And like you said, there wasn't really a clear career path where if you were curious, you could just take an intro to cybersecurity class and see if this is the kind of thing you would want to do. You kind of had to be more outgoing and not be afraid to know nothing about a subject and, and just try it, even if it's not something that you saw yourself doing. Because you uh, now that you're in UCLA, you don't consider yourself a cybersecurity major, do you?
0: No, no. Um, mostly yeah, mechanical engineering stuff, so thermodynamics, fluid, stuff like that. But I still like keep up with it on the side, and I, I take programming classes too, and that is close enough where I still feel like connected to the cybersecurity world.
1: And do you feel like the cybersecurity experience you've had has made it easier for you to get jobs that were closer to your primary degree, um, just in terms of having a background in knowing or teaching about security?
0: Oh, definitely, because so many tools that are fundamental to cybersecurity are fundamental to um, other technical industries. So like um I interned at JPL during um fall of last year. And one of the th- when I was talking to my mentor, um one of the things that he said stood up was that I had experience with like bash scripting and using the terminal and Linux. And all three of those things even though like I use Linux every day now, I I would never even have touched if it wasn't like to learn a different um to learn a cybersecurity tool that wasn't available on Windows. And like from from the small experience I have with, like, large technical organizations, they still use a lot of command line, like, file sharing tools. So, like, you got to know how to use SSH. You have to know how to use SFTP, stuff like that. And while it's basic, if you don't have any experience with it, it can be very intimidating. But, like, the context that cybersecurity gives those tools can, like, make it easier to learn stuff like SSH and SFTP. And so you're already comfortable with it, and um, you can, like
1: adopt the organization's workflows a lot easier. Yeah, one point that we kind of noticed after we got started with our cybersecurity activities is that there was actually a considerable lack of content revolving around command line tools or Linux basics. And we even did a couple basic Linux classes and we were surprised to see that some of the more advanced computer science students just didn't know anything about the command line. And we used to even go to computer science, uh, to the computer science club's little challenges and uh, Brandon would just solve everything with bash. And it would always be shorter than any of the other real programming languages because you could just stitch together a bunch of solutions that are other tools. And if you know how to do these things, you know, you don't need to be that good of a programmer to get results when you know all the tools you have at your disposal.
0: Yeah. And like, um, I don't know if this is like a problem with cybersecurity or with computer science education everywhere, but at least at um, the community college we went to, it felt... Like, how we learned programming was, like, so prepackaged. Like, here is a specific IDE. This is the only thing you're going to use. Um, when actually the c- computer science classing I'm taking out, um, UCLA, our professor is actually, um, really encouraging us to learn how to use the terminal. Um, so we can, like, compile our code through the terminal rather than relying on an IDE to do it. And I think stuff like that can be important just to know, because the terminal is, like, the only way to, like, directly interact with the computer. And it can be very intimidating at first, but, once you get a couple commands down, you, you can just work so much faster and so much more efficiently. Once you can even grasp the basics of like command line interface. Definitely,
1: definitely. And those sorts of technical skills are really helpful for people who maybe aren't sure exactly where they want to go in a technical field. You know, if they're wavering between mechanical engineering, computer science, and maybe some other stuff, then it's really useful to know these powerful basic tools that can really help you out no matter where you go. Because you're not really tying yourself down to a specific industry. You're learning skills that are going to be universally useful no matter where you go. Exactly. It's like
0: if if an engineer in the 1950s didn't know how to mail a postcard. Like, this is just how people inside a working environment communicate now using stuff like this. It's just, if you're not gonna be um, a computer scientist and like interacting with like the computer kernel and stuff like that directly, it's it's still useful communication and workflow tools that I think anyone can learn. And even if it's not for work, it can improve um, some like quality of life
1: things on your own computing experience. So your first job on our little team was actually not doing cybersecurity directly. You are in charge of video production. And what's kind of interesting about that is your kind of break into cybersecurity wasn't really reliant on your technical skill because you already had some, you know, some Python programming and C++ under your belt, but you weren't creating tools or doing actual research, you were making the tools and research consumable for people who were just getting started just like you. Did you find that um, being a beginner actually made it easier to translate these concepts over to other beginners or was it just as hard? Um I mean writing <laughs> Communicating information is like
0: pretty difficult in general, but coming at it from a beginner and without an ego made it easier to speak to the audience directly,
1: um, for sure. Right. Rather than pretending to be the, the absolute expert, just acknowledging the fact that, you know, you're a beginner too. This is what worked for you. This is what you learned about it. A lot of the time, that's really all people need to get started on their own. Um, They don't need that much handholding. They just need to know the steps to do. And they need someone to explain why this is useful. And one thing that kind of struck me about this is, like you said, you don't really have an ego about this sort of thing. So you're very straightforward about this. You know, you're not claiming to be some uh, expert that's going to like change their lives. There's no scam here. It's just like this stuff is cool and you like sharing it. And that's why people like listening to you know the Null Bite channel is because you know the content's entertaining and and it's fun. So there's a lot of actual room in the cybersecurity industry for people who are less technical and maybe just think the stuff's cool and, and are good at communicating sharing it or are just good at communicating technical concepts in general. So if, if maybe you're someone who's not as technical but still thinks this stuff is awesome and cool, you know we have, for example, our editor who regularly contributes ideas for the show, who a lot of the of which we've actually filmed, and, uh, you know, he doesn't have a super technical background with programming or, or developing cybersecurity scripts. He just, as a beginner, gets stoked about these ideas that sound cool. And then, you know, they're they're actually possible because he pays attention enough to know, you know, what kind of stuff we do. So... Yeah. Uh, I think that having that journey of not needing to be so technical at the beginning to get exposed to all the stuff that, you know, you might be interested in doing later is kind of an interesting way of getting into cybersecurity, aside from just being expected to know everything right off the bat. And it's like, you know, if you, if you don't know, then you have no place in cybersecurity. Well, some people just by hanging around and being really interested and having a way of being useful, you know, even just translating something as a, a fellow beginner, um, that can be a good way to get started in this industry when most people feel like you already have to have like a college degree or be heavily invested.
0: Mm -hmm. And as I think like as like technology like keeps progressing and becomes more abstract, communicators like both like people communicating to clients and communicating to the public, it's going to become more like more of an important job, I guess, just because like the gap of knowledge between the cutting edge of technology is going to just keep growing. It's going to become more complex and harder for a, Um, a layman to understand like what's really going on at the cutting edge of like this new technologies. And so I think there's going to be a big space for like technology and science communicators
1: in the coming decades. I agree. And just having an engaging personality and a, a sense of curiosity and wonder about the stuff you're doing really 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 helps because unless you're gonna you're like the most talented person in the world and you know absolutely everything about everything it really helps to just be likable and have people want to listen to you when you're talking about stuff that might be a little bit dry so i think that one of your skills that kind of came out early was just being able to to translate tactical concepts that might be uh, a bit hard for a beginner to grasp and just make them within reach for the average person who you know might be a little bit intimidated to approach the subject to begin with
0: Yeah. And like um, it can be scary at first to ask questions and it's like kind of feels like you're putting yourself out there. But any teacher or educator I've found like worth their salt, like enjoys being asked questions like they enjoy explaining the thing they're passionate about. So you're doing them a favor by asking them the questions. And if you find someone who's kind of being um, standoffish when you ask them a question or they're being pompous, like try to find somebody else to learn from because they're not they're not it. There's so many people (laughs) out there who are passionate about any kind
1: of subject you want to learn. Definitely. And speaking of all that, we got to go to the home of all of the cybersecurity marketing and business and hopefully subpassion that was uh, RSA for the first time. And you got your first look at not just the people like the ones that are at DEF CON, which are the fun weirdos, the people that are, you know, maybe have a bunch of rainbow colored hair and like to do a bunch of security work. More the people that were the suits, like people that own these businesses, people that operate cybersecurity Organizations, like what was your take on that? And keep in mind that many of them could be listening right now.
0: Yeah, um, that was actually my first and only, I guess, uh, cybersecurity convention. Like I was planning on going to DEF CON this year, but that's not going to happen because global events. Um, But yeah, RSA, I guess it really showed I didn't think cybersecurity was such a big industry. And like, I guess what I gather from talking to my peers is cybersecurity and like information security is kind of something that just, just happens. It, it, um, it's just taken care of for us. And uh, we don't really think about all the work and all the money that goes into protecting like users and businesses data. And so I really got to see how much money there is behind in this
1: industry firsthand. It's pretty overwhelming. And also just running through the giant RSA crowd with like a camera crew and like a Teamster guy, like like supervising us was a pretty surreal experience, especially because we uh, we decided to divvy up the interviews and I got to take, I think the, the nice folks over at like Canary Token and you got to take um, the NSA.
0: Yeah, the NSA guys were actually like, like a lot of, I didn't talk to like all the booths obviously, but um, a lot of like the representatives there are mostly like business and marketing people. But the NSA, like, put like its engineers like front and center. And I thought that was like super cool to like be able to speak with the people who um, actually like wrote lines of the code. And um, that year uh, the NSA was talking about, I think Ghidra is how you pronounce it? Yeah, that they had just released Ghidra. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, getting to pe- work with the people who didn't like, they weren't like managers or like money people. And that's important as well. But like for me, a
1: nerd getting to talk to the people who actually wrote lines of code was like just awesome. That was really cool. Yeah. Those dudes were a little stoic, but otherwise super cool. They also offered to let us uh, charge our phones there and we politely declined. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, RSA is a, for a beginner especially, is probably kind of a an interesting way of being, we just woken up to the fact that there is so much money in this field that it comes down to, you know, differentiation. Like, are you, how do you be different from the next person over? And, Again, like that's where being a strong communicator is a way that a lot of people go. I mean, a lot of people that work in cybersecurity aren't necessarily technical. They're people that are really good at something else. That could be sales, it could be marketing. It could just be explaining to people how something works that's too technical for people at the top to have time to listen to. So you need your best communicator front and center so they can just explain things succinctly. Really, that's what a lot of these businesses rely on. So just getting to see the kind of the, the money side of cybersecurity, rather than the the fun side where you get to see people breaking rules and writing code, was a, I think, really a, a good educational prospect for you as a beginner to know, you know, if you were to get into this industry, what are the people who own these companies look like? like and is that something that you want to do full time? Or is it something that while well, interesting might be something is more of a side job? And unfortunately, a lot of people have to go into that industry before they actually get to have that experience of seeing all these people and talking to them first.
0: Yeah. And I guess like one quick thing is like a misconception I had going in RSA is um, I don't know if a lot of people share this, but when I think like cybersecurity, I mostly think of the offensive end, you know, like um, the hacker and the anonymous, the anonymous mask trying to like break into the mainframe and like steal people's credit card information. But I guess um, like, again, like that, that defense side and how big it is, is more understated. Um, and me personally, I don't, see myself ending up working in cybersecurity um i'm i'm happy with uh the ideas and the concepts i learned in mechanical engineering and i ultimately want to do like research related to that but i think even i think cybersecurity is interesting and i think being um i guess cybersecurity literate is like an important skill and like um idea to have
1: going into the 2020s and beyond definitely definitely and as you were getting into this, what kind of other people did you see gravitate towards cybersecurity as either something that they were just interested in or at least something they were willing to try? Um, from like who I talked to at our
0: community college, it was mostly computer science and like IT people. When I tried to get people um, in other sciences, they seem it seems like nowadays a lot of people who go into a science major, um, like an engineering major, that's not specifically cybersecurity uh, that's not specifically computer science or IT. Like they they pick mechanical engineering or uh, chemical engineering because they like math, but they don't like coding for some reason or their first exposure to programming wasn't good. And so they kind of just get like how a lot of people are scared of math. A lot of mechanical engineers are scared of programming. Right. And I I think like I think most like the average person is like capable of learning almost anything. Right. And it's like your first exposure is so important. So like back to the point. Um, unfortunately, it seemed like a lot of people who are into cybersecurity were, had a background in like programming or, um, networking or other types of IT. And I, I personally didn't see too many people try to break
1: the mold as I did. Hmm. Yeah. Cause you know, we always get a couple people that are interested from maybe more, actually what was interesting is we had a lot of people from electrical engineering who ended up being super interested. And then we had some people from, as you said, IT and networking, um, But also like fabrication and people that were more interested in like 3D printing and that sort of stuff. Those sorts of people like actually ended up being somewhat interested as well. So it was odd. It wasn't always who I was expecting to be interested in. Maybe trying something new or or getting into something they hadn't tried before. But that curiosity and willing to be a total beginner at something, I think was in some ways really key for people being able to take on something as, uh, you know, initially maybe dry or, or self-selecting out of, uh, it's, uh, it's easy to self-select out of doing as cybersecurity. Because, you know, being a hacker sounds cool, but when you get down to it, it's a lot of sitting there and reading through documentation to figure out like why the thing is doing the thing it's doing and not everybody is curious enough to do that and not everybody is is willing enough to be an amateur and to suck at something. Uh, for long enough to to actually get the result that they're looking for. So I think that there's a a little bit of, like you said, just the the first exposure is super important. If you get presented with like beautiful, wonderful candy that makes you feel like this is something you can do, of course you're going to want to take the next step. But if you're also treated by someone who like confuses Java and Python and like constantly berates students for not uh, <laughs> knowing the answers to to questions that have never been answered, then, you know, you might come away, you know, wanting to to just not do all that. As uh, I believe, at least one student in our in that class changes major as a result of that experience. <laughs> yep. Yeah,
0: he's doing he's doing uh, well right now. Actually, I think he changes it to physics. But oh, yeah, oh. yeah, he wants to be the world's next um, Nobel Prize
1: laureate. Or not the next one, but he wants to be a Nobel Prize or Nobel laureate one day. Well, during his acceptance speech, I hope he tells off our teacher for for berating him over his coat, which was excellent. <laughs> Forcing him into that path.
0: Drop your ego and like be willing to make mistakes is so important for like learning anything, like from riding a unicycle to cybersecurity, of course. And so I just think learning cybersecurity can teach you how to not know everything about a subject and like teach you how like kind of humble you, I guess, for lack of a better term, like learning any skill like that and something especially as abstract and can
1: sometimes be as dense as cybersecurity can just be good for you as a person as well. Definitely. And so what was it like to actually take this step of participating? And rather than just reporting on other people's tools or learning other people's tools, writing your first Ducky script or writing your first piece of software. Well, sorry, your first software that's cybersecurity related. I know that you made many um, like weird calculators and other stuff for just general programming class before. Yeah, like,
0: you know, you, you do the basic, like, you start with hello world and then you do stupid little... Um, like, the first, like, real program I made was, like, Hangman, you know. But the first cybersecurity thing I did was um a ducky script. And I think that's such a good way. That's, like, you were talking earlier about, um I forget the term you said, but, like, making a beginner feel like this is something they can do. Rubber duckies are such a good way to introduce people to cybersecurity because you can explain it in a sentence. Um, ducky script is is, like, it's, like, um basic it's a basic code you know it's just like simple commands line after line um and then like th- the results are like tangible and you can like watch it working um directly like like while well, like signals intelligence and like wi-fi cracking is really cool it's it's for me at least it's like i like to see what's going on it's like a ducky script watching like plugging it in and watching it take a screenshot of someone's um saved passwords in Firefox. Shout out to my first NoBud article. Um, (laughs) That was, like, super cool for me because I got to watch it. Like, I I got to write the code, plug it into the computer, and then watch it happen. But, like, like, Wi-Fi password hacking, well, that's also cool. It kind of feels like, well, the computer could be, like... It's just, like, I'm just watching a terminal, and I'm just, like, the computer could be lying to me. I know it's not, but that's just kind of, like, the psychological, like, thing in your head. But, like, yeah, Rubber Duckies... Ducky scripts is like such such an awesome way to like get you introduced to
1: the cybersecurity. I would say even programming, uh, writing. Uh, in ducky script is basically just sitting there and taking all the actions you could do as a regular human sitting behind a keyboard and just scripting them out one by one until you can create the same result as you just sitting behind the screen and doing it. And people learn about delays, they learn about timing, they learn about all this stuff that you learn in a programming class, but instead of getting caught up with all the syntax and bad examples and sports analogies and whatever, they can just do their own thing, pick whatever makes sense to them and just learn how to script it Totally organically. So yeah, I, I'm glad that that was one of your first experiences with um, with coding because some of this other stuff, when you try to get into it, it's a little bit discouraging because it doesn't work the first time. It doesn't have as much uh, immediate feedback. You don't get to iterate on it as quickly and you don't uh, maybe understand why something happened because you don't have as much information. So I really like it because of how much information it gives people to you know adjust what they did and maybe do a better job or just otherwise have control over the learning process. Yeah, definitely. So you said your first script was uh, for stealing Facebook passwords. Can you describe what it did? Um, so actually it was. So when you like log into
0: any website or anything on um, a web browser, specifically Firefox is what I focused on it, the little tab pops up. It's like, would you like us to save your username and password? And it's like, yeah, you click yes. It's super convenient. I don't want to type out my 15 character password every time I log in. Um with like some basic investigation, I found out that Firefox actually stores their usernames and passwords. Um, well, they don't store them in plain text, but you can view them in plain text with just like four or five clicks and without any credentials being inputted. This actually got patched by Mozilla finally, so um, it's de- depreciated, so it doesn't work anymore. But for like a couple years, this worked. So basically you'll plug in the um, USB rubber ducky, and it would open Firefox, navigate to where um, you can view um, all the, say, with usernames and passwords, it would click view, take a screenshot, and then I added um, functionality where it used Windows PowerShell to email it to a specified um, email address.
1: So how much skill would you say it would take someone to write a script like this? Would they need to be like a computer science student, or do you think they could get started doing this in like a, like a couple days or a week or even a day of research?
0: Yeah, I could I could definitely teach, like, you could, a non-technical, a person without a technical background could definitely learn how to do it pretty easily. It's like what you were saying. It's like, well, you think about what you would do to the computer, and then you look at, like, there's only, like, four or five different ducky commands that you use, and you would see, how does this action correlate to ducky script? And then you just write that line. The only thing that was, like, I guess, it wasn't advanced, but, like, a little bit beyond a beginner level was... Um, looking up the PowerShell code I needed to send the email automatically. But that was just learning how to use Stack Exchange. And that's another important skill for cybersecurity or programming or learning anything, especially in 2020, just learning how to Google, learning how to use Stack Exchange and stuff like that. Like,
1: using the wealth of knowledge that exists on the internet and like harnessing it into your project. Do you think that might be why IT people and CS people take so well to cybersecurity? Because they have those research skills to answer questions. They're probably less frustrated, even if they've never done it before.
0: Yeah, I guess. And I, I it comes with like being, growing up with the internet or like from the young age, just being able to access all the knowledge on the internet. Yeah, definitely, definitely helps with cybersecurity.
1: So if somebody else wanted to take make a script and actually contribute to the hacker community, maybe they found something really interesting, like uh, the vulnerability you, uh, well, I mean, I'm sure that other people found it too, but I mean, if you were able to find an interesting vulnerability and you wanted to contribute to the hacker community, you wanted to write your own ducky script, or you wanted to actually just, you know, get other people excited about this as well, or share what you did, how would you recommend a beginner get involved? Well,
0: if it's like something like, um you're able to actually do like if you write a ducky script that you think is useful um post the source code on github post it on and then like link that source code on reddit link it on twitter post it on hacker news and just like get it out there and if people think it's like interesting they'll click it and they'll share it with their people and then like what i learned i was always like afraid of like posting stuff to the internet but if someone finds it interesting like people people are very active on this stuff and if they find a use for it, they'll they'll use it and then they'll give you some feedback and it, yeah. So I guess social media is the basic answer, but
1: yeah, that's all I have to say for getting stuff like that out there. Well, that and forking as well, because I seem to remember that your uh, forked repository got uh, 57 stars.
0: Yeah, we were, that was one of the, it was a video I was still a production assistant for and it was this command line tool called Hatch and um, it basically was a brute password, like, brute force attack, but it used a GUI. So, like, if um, a certain website, like, limits API calls or something like that, they they put a rate limiter on, like, on a command line interaction with the, like, login service, you can just, like, actually open up the web browser on a computer and it automates, like, go, like, signing in through a password list. And there was some weird error that... Um, you, I don't know if the hatch was broken, but for some reason we couldn't get it to work. And then I just added in a couple lines of Python code, got it to work for the show, forked it. And then people seemed to appreciate that. And then I got like 55, <laughs> 56 stars on that. I, I, I did not expect that at all. It was just like a three-line fork I made so we could finish the video because it was getting
1: really late. Well, that's also how i made a lot of what I initially considered to be almost like shit posts, like um, GitHub forks where I'm just like, this thing doesn't work, I know how to make it work because i have it's broken so many times now that I, I can see where it's breaking. It's just like if I just add this thing or if I just change this thing, it'll either do something extra or it'll work a little bit better. And there have been some things where, you know, somebody else has 95% of the work but you just know how you could push it in a direction that's either a little bit better or maybe they didn't anticipate. That's really contributing to the hacker community because you know, even if you're not gonna go into a cybersecurity career, you can still have great ideas and you can, you can contribute them provided your cybersecurity limit, literate, uh, and you're you know connected to the community in that way where you're looking at other people's scripts uh, or you're looking for other interesting tools and you're not afraid to put yours out there if you think you have a good idea or if you have an interesting way of just putting a twist on someone else's code. Just don't, you know, say it's yours and then go around and, and try to sell it or something. But if you want to just take a project out there that you think is awesome and make it do something even better, then that's kind of the, the whole hacker spirit, yeah and people
0: people who post their code, like you don't have to feel like you're like plagiarizing or stealing like if, as long as you give them credit, of course, but people post their stuff on GitHub, knowing that people are going to fork and use their code in different ways. If they didn't want people to do that, they'll make their code private. So if people make their code public, it's and they have like the MIT license by default, they want you to riff on it. I think most people in the hacker space, they want you to riff on their work. It's kind of like a compliment, because that means people are actually using your um, your software
1: or your scripts or whatever. Which means you made something that was actually useful. Exactly, exactly. People like that. So now having had this experience, um, what would you say, what kind of content was easier or harder uh, than expected to learn and work with? I
0: guess a recent, like since um, the quarantine again, I started make, producing videos again. So I've been like branching off into um, not producing videos, but being, um, starring in the videos. So one thing that I didn't really branch, I didn't really get into during my first stint with Nullbyte was like um, networking. Like I watched you do it, but I never did it on my own. And like that goes back to what I was talking to earlier. Like you can't really see what's going on when you're networking or trying to um, intercept packets or anything, you kind of just have to trust what the computer's giving you. And that can be very challenging when you want to grab a very specific type of packet and you can't see it, only the computer can. And sometimes it doesn't want to relay that information to you. So I, I'm finding that like um, packet interception is, has like a slightly steeper learning curve because when you're doing it wrong, you're not getting any feedback from the
1: computer. I'm sorry, Nick. It just sounds like you're coming off hot from a bad date with Wireshark. <laughs> yes, definitely. But in the end, I was,
0: <laughs>
1: I was able to tame the shark. Uh, yeah I would say you know USB rubber ducky easy stuff like if you can work a computer you can write a ducky script if you're willing to try but once you get into stuff like Wireshark it is it is intimidating and there's a lot going on and like if you're not willing to sit through and, and really like not only understand what the, the program is telling you, but you know, w- understand the networking concepts behind it. It is a bunch of just gibberish. You know, like you have one thing you're looking for and all the stuff is scrolling over the screen. Like you don't know what any of it means. It can, especially Wireshark and, and Wi-Fi stuff can be especially overwhelming for beginners.
0: There, Yeah, there's so many different acronyms to learn. Like um, DCHP, I think I got that one backwards, like um, DNS, DHCP, DHCP. SSL, HTTP, and it's like stuff you might have seen as computer gibberish before, but keeping it all track in your head, it it can be, it can be a little overwhelming at first, but you know, with anything, it just takes some time and some perseverance and you'll get it.
1: Just think, for any time that you need to bullshit your way through a situation, you're going to be able to improvise the best techno babble ever. You're going to sound like someone, like an engineer on Star Trek.
0: Yeah, and um, um, if you ever want to like, make make yourself look like a really good hacker. You can use TCP dump, I think. And that just um, relays a bunch of garbage on your terminal and people
1: think you're a super cool hacker. I love TCP dump. It lets me know when the kid in front of me is on Facebook or live leaking community college. It also scares anyone around you who doesn't know, like who's never opened a terminal before. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hacker 101, if you want to get started with uh, with being a Wi-Fi hacker, run uh, NGREP or TCP dump <laughs> <laughs> and just let it roll on your let it roll on your screen and just immediately if anyone does anything, just immediately look at them, look at their computer, look back at your screen.
0: Yeah, and especially try to like coordinate it with like, act, like if you see them clicking on their computer, try to like coordinate with that
1: or something like that. Exactly, exactly. Well, I'm glad you were able to finally uh, tame the shark. Wireshark, as I said, is is so much fun. But you mentioned you were actually getting more interested in networking stuff. and And honestly, once you get interested in the networking stuff, Wireshark becomes addictive. Like, you really just... It's so useful and you learn so much information that it's almost like you have a like a, a sixth sense where you can just like sense radio signals and like make sense of the, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm so enchanted by it because it, it allows me to have superhuman powers and like see stuff that like, you know, is through walls. So you know, some of the stuff you can do with it, I, I think we did that demonstration with like directional antennas and stuff like that where we were able to like tell like what direction something was coming from. Like to me, that's just as wild as hell. And like Wire, Wireshark is like a lot of fun. But even two years into it, 60% of Wireshark is still gibberish to me.
0: Yeah. And I think like networking is another one of those things that at least I kind of like never thought about. Like the router was just my Wi-Fi box. It, it connected me to the internet and I never thought about how. And like, I guess being during this like time of lockdown and everything, like being home, I really wanted to like, I guess, beef up my home network. And so like I added stuff like, um I guess this kind of segues into this, but like a good way to get into networking is just like simple quality of life stuff in your own house. Like um, setting up a Raspberry Pi is so easy and it just like completely changes how you use the internet at home. And then like you can riff on that. Like you can make like a, a media server, like so you can use Plex to watch um, all your legally obtained movies on your TV and you can set up um, like a VPN in your house. So now now you don't only have um, your pie hole, which for anyone who doesn't know, a pie hole just basically, it's like an ad block in front of your router. So it blocks any um, ad serving domains that try to go through your router. So you never see ads, even if you're on a your phone or using an app or anything like that. And then you can like set up a VPN in your house. So you have ad free internet wherever you go. Um, and it, 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 like it builds like networking stuff like that can like kind of build on itself so
1: logically. And it's it's a good way to get into it. I would agree, and the fact that you can get started with such a cheap, you know, a, a Raspberry Pi is like thirty-five dollars. So if you just want to get started playing with this stuff on your own Wi-Fi connection and or your own network and see if you can just, as you said, improve quality of life, make it so all advertisers suddenly vanish off of all the websites you visit, be able to listen to uh, YouTube videos without constant interruptions, like. All that stuff is super, super, super cool. And for the average person, I I think there's really value in that as opposed to maybe learning a skill that you're not even sure that you wanna get started you know, down that career path. But something that's like that small of an investment and has that big of an impact on your day-to-day life, I mean, how often do you use the internet? Like that's a great way to get started learning about networking and other things that might end up being much more your thing than you expect. Yeah, and with back to like the pie hole, I'm um, just a side thing. Like a lot of people
0: use the pie zeros for that. So it can be even cheaper than um, using 30, um, so it can be like $10 and you never have to see an ad in your house again.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Man, that's a cheap build.
0: Yeah, for how many, like um, I, I kind of get addicted to, cause uh, it's such a well-built tool. There's like a a built-in like dashboard you can see. And I, it's like so addicting to see how many ad domains were blocked in the last 24 hours. Like I frequently get into like 30,000 ad domains that were blocked in 24 in a 24 hour period. It's just wild. How much, how oh much like God. internet junk gets passed through? And another thing with the hole, the web traffic like interface you see, it's like a more friendly version of Wireshark, I guess, because it shows literally all the DNS requests or like I guess the website requests coming outside of your internet traffic. And so like I never one of the most like troubling things that like really it's not just for blocking ads, it's for blocking tracking, like. I saw so many Facebook domains coming out of my router. I don't use Facebook. Like I have Instagram, but I'm not on it all the time. But constantly these random devices were pinging Facebook. And um, you can look up like simple, like a simple regex and it blocks all
1: Facebook domains like that. And all of a sudden they, that's one less way they can track you. That's pretty incredible. And for the average person who's like paranoid about that sort of thing and and is trying to be smart about it, just a $35 or even a a $10 investment, in making sure that their network is built to be resistant against that sort of thing is a pretty good way of getting started with networking. Yes,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: Raspberry uh, Pi hole, and like Raspberry Pis in general are just fun to play with. So then for people who might be interested in this sort of career path, or might just be interested in tacking some cybersecurity credentials or experience onto their existing resume to get a better job, what kind of career uh, opportunities opened up or what kind of career opportunities could open up for people who are cybersecurity literate while going into another field?
0: Yeah. And it's like I was saying earlier, like the skills that are fundamental for cybersecurity are fundamental for so many other technical fields, especially in the 21st century. Like uh, I can't think of many technical jobs that, don't need to know programming. Like even doctors are starting to learn like some programming in um, med school, stuff like that. Like, just being able to speak computer is, it's not just going to be important. I think it's going to be fundamental in the in the coming years. So like, like I was saying, like learning how to use the terminal, like learning how to use basic scripting. And like, this is stuff you learn to accomplish some like cybersecurity stuff, but you're going to be able to translate that to other technical fields or like other non-technical fields. Like if you end up doing like HR or if you end up like as an accountant, um like scripts can improve your quality of life when using a computer like one thing another thing i recommend is um uh if you want to like learn programming in um, a way that can directly improve your life is uh automate the boring stuff with python and that can that, that has saved me so much time like automatically naming files and organizing directories in my computer and that was like one of the that was one of the first things i really did to like put my feet on the ground i guess with uh Programming like my own projects was just
1: um, organizing files on my computer. I mean, so much of our interaction now is just working with our computers or working online. It makes sense to learn how to do things that actually positively impact that process and make you more powerful no matter what you're doing as soon as you figure out what it is you want to do. Now, there's a, I think there's a big difference between people who are on one side of the tech divide, they have access to the latest technology, they know how to use it, and it's easy for them to kind of go through the hoops that our society now has us go through in order to accomplish basically anything. And people that are left doing things the old school way don't have a lot of the same advantages as people who know how to navigate this technology. So yeah, it really seems like getting people who are interested in this stuff to feel, for one, like it's something they can try, and for two, maybe not trapped because there's all sorts of different skills that are useful within cybersecurity and there's lots of different ways that cybersecurity is useful within different occupations. So, I mean, you know, if you're getting into a career that isn't exactly cybersecurity, but you're cybersecurity literate, you have good instincts, you know how it works, and you maybe have some basic programming skills, I just get the general feeling that, you know, in most economies, you're going to be making more money than someone who just has that skill and doesn't have all these extras that kind of tick the box of what our modern society needs to get work done. Because, I mean, if you're working remotely, you need to know how to set up your computer and connect securely to, you know, your boss's VPN. Otherwise, like, you know, you become a liability for the company and it becomes harder to work with you. So yeah, I I feel like a lot of these skills are just things that not only benefit everyone no matter what job you're going to go into, but just being literate about this sort of thing, you know, you're going into a completely different field, yet you could get a job in cybersecurity if you really wanted it, just because you're a good communicator and you've now had practice kind of just trying these things out and and kind of expressing your curiosity. That's something I think a lot of other people who might not see themselves as cybersecurity people could really benefit from.
0: Yeah. It touches on again what we were talking about earlier. Like there's so much room for like scientific and techno technological communication. And just because you're a communicator doesn't mean like you can't get your hands dirty and like work with the code or work with the machinery or whatever industry you're in. Like it-, it it can be even better if like you have one e- like one foot in um each world, you know? So you communicate better if you're actually working with the stuff and if you're actually working with the stuff, like the communication aspect can help you with that too. So With how, with like the rise of like startup culture and stuff like that, there's a lot more smaller companies who have to do their own PR. And so they rely on the engineers themselves to like actually get the word out about what their product is and what, why they're doing is so innovative and explaining to other businesses and um, just the public, like in very simple terms, what is this crazy technological feat that you're accomplishing?
1: Oh, my God. Do you remember walking through RSA and having no idea what each business versus the next one did because they were all so similar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the struggle.
0: It, like, it sounds like they're all providing like the same service. Like, why why is this service protecting my <laughs> client's data different than this service protecting my client's data? It's like, yeah, I was,
1: it was very overwhelming. RSA was very overwhelming. All right. Well, for Anybody that might be maybe just getting into college and interested in trying out some cybersecurity, or maybe anyone who has kids that they're trying to steer towards either cybersecurity career or just help them indulge their curiosity in technology, or maybe they've just gotten in trouble at school for hacking into something. What would you recommend as a way for them to get into Either the the, side, the whole hacker culture where there's other people supporting them, or just kind of feel like you're contributing to the community at large.
0: Well, I guess like if you want to learn for yourself, like obviously like NoByte is a good resource, and if you want to get started with um, Linux, like there's so many different guides on Reddit and stuff like that, and don't be afraid to like ask questions or post uh, to the document documentation or like ask a question on Stack Exchange, you know, and then just get started learning the basic stuff. And then once you, like, understand more about scripting, you're going to actually start being able to, like, view source code on GitHub and understand what that does. And, like, you'll get an idea and understand how you can add to it or um, change it and, like, fork it. And it's a slow way to get started, but that that can, like, get your foot in the door. And I've never been to DEF CON. I really wanted to go this year, but you always say great things about how welcoming the community is to beginners. And from your word it sounds like a good way to get involved in the community as well. Going to hacker spaces or conventions like doesn't have to be Defcon. There's hacker conventions all over the world. Just not this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, it really is the great exchange of ideas that makes us all worth it. You know, we all have our amazing ideas that we're so proud of, but it's really showing it to other people that appreciate our work that makes it worth it.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: So, all right, in closing, if someone was asking what kind of skills were uh, they should look into, if they want to try out some hacking stuff, what would you tell them?
0: Like while well, like hacking with Windows can be useful, I definitely recommend like um, even like installing Linux, whether that just be like off a of boot- bootable USB, but just like learning how to use Linux and learning how to use, because the terminal in Linux is so much more friendly than the terminal in uh, Windows. And just understanding the structure of the terminal is like so fundamental to basic cybersecurity stuff. And then um, I always think, like we're saying earlier, like um, USB rubber duckies are fun to play with, they're useful. And they're easy to script. And once you get that down, you can start learning some, um, some Python. Bucky Roberts on YouTube, who's, he's the one who actually taught me uh, Python, not my professor at Community College. So there's, <laughs> yeah, so I would recommend getting um, a bootable Linux distribution on a USB stick. That's not as complicated as it sounds. You can Google those exact words into um, a search bar, and you'll be on Linux and within an hour without messing around with any of your computer stuff and then um, USB rubber Duckies and Python and Bash scripting are, are I think are the best ways to get started.
1: Awesome, cool. So if anybody wanted to follow up with you and maybe catch a Nullbyte article that you've done or a Nullbyte video you've done, what's the best way to do that? Twitter or just Nullbyte? Yeah, on
0: Nullbyte, I write under the pseudonym Kofex, like the baseball player. And on Twitter, it's just um, Nick Godshall. You can If you check the newest uh, Nullbyte videos,
1: I'm gonna be featured a lot more on those as well. Awesome, very cool. Well, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate the student perspective on cybersecurity, especially from someone who not only works now in cybersecurity, but isn't planning on a extensive career in cybersecurity. It's really refreshing, refreshing to know what kinds of things were easy for you and what kinds of things ended up being a little bit harder. But being cybersecurity literate seems to have worked out pretty well for you. Yeah, like, again, like, thank you for
0: having me. And like, thank you for like, getting me into the world of cybersecurity, because I definitely think that's what got me my first internship at JPL. And that would be internship at uh, a government contractor. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that didn't
1: work out too bad. You know, the whole, the whole world's shutting down. It gets in the way of some plants. Oh, well. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us, Nick. And thank you, everyone, for listening today. If you like this content, make sure to check out more of our episodes. And also you can find this archived on the Security Forward YouTube channel, as well as our streams, which we do every Tuesday and Friday. If you're interested in checking those out, go ahead and go to youtube.com slash c slash security, FWD, Security Forward, and you can find all of our content there. And if you're interested in catching hackers in your network or your system in general, you should check out Veronis, who has generously sponsored this podcast. You can go to veronis.com and check out the Cyber Attack workshop to learn more there. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time.